Boot. Actually, I still need to wear that boot, but uh, I didn't wear it for the wedding yesterday, so I'm not wearing it for the message today. I didn't, think, I didn't want you to think I was a hypochondriac. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited about the study in Ezekiel. On Tuesday, this past Tuesday, Israel had uh, over 80 rockets bombarded. How many saw that in the news? Just a few, eh? Okay. Um, this morning when I woke up, I wanted to know what the temperature would be today. So I got up my iPhone and I went to my weather app to check it out. And I discovered that it was minus 6 outside, but later on today it was going to be minus 2 uh, with not much chance of sunshine. And I discovered that tomorrow it's going to be plus 6. And everyone said, yay. yay. Plus six, and I suspect that means no more snow. The snow will be gone. And the rest of the week, it'll be plus two and sun. And you say, what on earth does this have to do with Ezekiel? I'm glad you asked that question. You see, Israel is God's weather app. It's through what happens in Israel that we discover what's happening in the world in terms of God's timeline and God's timetable. A lot of people don't know that. And so this morning, one of the things I want to point out to you is that God is revealing himself and revealing his plan in this world through what's going on in Israel right now. So, folks, if you've been used to watching Seinfeld, reruns of Seinfeld, or... uh, uh, Big Bang Theory, whatever. I don't know what, what it is that you like to watch on TV. Uh, turn that stuff off and go over to Channel 15 and watch CNN. And watch prophecy unfold before your eyes. Last week, on Tuesday, Israel is under attack. Whenever you see Israel, or hear of Israel being mentioned in the news, then you really, really, really need to pay careful attention because you're about to see uh, God do something Incredible in terms of a fulfillment of prophecy. Now, uh, there's a reason for that, and that's because it's through Israel that God's redemptive plan for this world is revealed. In other words, God, God's plan to redeem us and to save us, God's plan for the future is outlined and is revealed through the people of Israel, always. You see, back in Genesis chapter 12, God gave Abraham a promise, and he said, Abraham, through your seed, the whole world will be blessed. What was he talking about? Well, obviously, there's lots of wonderful things that have come from the Jewish people. Uh, you've heard me say it before, the, the most Nobel Peace Prizes per capita uh, belong to Israel. So Israel has blessed this world that way. But there's something far more important, folks, and that is this. Israel is the nation through whom our Messiah comes to us. So you need to understand today that it's through Israel that you and I have salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. A lot of people don't know this, but Jesus was Jewish. And a lot of the Jewish people don't even know that or don't realize it or don't stop to recognize or think of that. So understand this. God's plan for this world is revealed to us and unfolds 
and is intimately connected to the land of Israel. So did you know that the second greatest fulfillment of Scripture or prophecy is actually what we talked about last week when we talked about Israel becoming a nation? This was, this was prophesied some 2,500 years ago in Ezekiel chapter 37, which is what we talked about last week. That was the second greatest fulfillment of prophecy. The first greatest fulfillment of prophecy is, in fact, Jesus Christ coming to this world. Jesus, the Messiah, uh, he came to us almost 2,000 years ago in fulfillment of literally dozens of prophecies. Now, why bother with prophecy? Well, a lot of people, you know, they ask that question. It's too difficult to understand. How many felt sometimes when you read prophecies, you think, oh man, I can't get my head around this. So you, you know, skip ahead to something more interesting like the Psalms or the Song of Solomon which is very interesting. Uh, <laughs> the only ones that laughed are the ones that know that book. Uh, and then some of the other interesting passages. You will discover that prophecy makes up a third of the Bible. And so it's really important for me as your pastor to once in a while go down the road that discusses prophecy because a full one-third of the scriptures is in fact prophecy about what is to come. And, and we see uh, many fulf- uh, fulfilled prophecies, but there's still many to come. And that's what I want to talk about today, uh, which we talked about last Sunday. We talked about Israel becoming a nation, the fulfillment of that great prophecy. Now I want to tell you something else that you may or may not know. Prophecy teaches us that God is in control of history. God is not taken by surprise. Does everybody understand that? What happens in the world from, from century to century, from millennium to, from millennium to millennium, is in fact a fulfillment of God's, God's plan. We see it in the scripture. It's one of the ways, in fact, that God proves that he exists. Some people say, well, how do I know God exists? I mean, the, the, you know, the common thing right now is to say, I'm an atheist or I'm an agnostic. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that if you were intellectually honest, you'd have to approach the scripture and, and give it a fair shake to see if, in fact, what God says is true. And you will discover that many of the prophecies that God gives has come true, which proves that he is who he says he is. Now, can I say this? It's not 80% or he's got a, like a, an 80% accuracy rate or even a 95% accuracy rate. We're talking 100%. Okay, so we know who God is by the fulfilled prophecy that we have seen in history. Someone once said that history is actually his story. I like that. It's God's story. It's God's plan unfolding. Now, in case you don't know... The first prophecy is actually in Genesis chapter 3, which talks about the coming of Jesus and Jesus overcoming the power of Satan. You, don't, you may not know that, but we see it right from the start. And then we see God's redemptive plan, his plan to redeem humanity from Genesis right to Revelation. Now, there's something else that you should know. This may come as a uh, surprise, but one more reason why you need to study prophecy. And that is because virtually, all, virtually every book of the Bible except four actually speak about prophecy. Maybe you, maybe you didn't know that, but that's, that's quite a, an astonishing number. 62 of the 66 books of the Bible actually touch on prophecy at one point or another. So you can't ignore the subject. And so that's why this morning, I, as your pastor, uh, have, have jumped into this seemingly uh, difficult and very deep 
deep subject of prophecy. Uh, I, I will admit to you that it is, it is at times difficult, but I'm going to tell you this, extremely rewarding and very exciting. Now, here's what God says about prophecy in Isaiah chapter 46, 9 to 10. And you might want to have your Bible out and make sure that you bring it each Sunday because you're going to want to be following along. But in Isaiah 46, 9 to 10, here's what God says regarding prophecy and about how he reveals himself to us. It says this, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Listen to this. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purposes. So you need to understand something. God reveals himself in a very powerful way, in a very special way, in a very unique way through his prophecies. And that's Isaiah 46, 9 to 10. Now, can I just remind everybody of something? And this is really important because how many of us do not want to be like the, 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 Fer- the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sanhedrin? We don't want to be like those guys. But listen to this. We are like the Pharisees so often in that we fail to recognize the signs of the times. And you will notice that when Jesus was on this earth, he actually rebuked the Pharisees. Why? Because they were too thick and refused to read the signs of the times. And so this morning, what we're doing is we are actually reading the signs of the times because we don't want Jesus to rebuke us. Amen? Yeah. We want to we pay attention to what's going on. So we must have a sermon series like this called Armageddon, or called Ezekiel, Road to Armageddon. So the, the thing that I want to just remind everybody of, first of all, last week we talked about the birth of Israel as a nation. And what year? 1948. And we talked about how, how it, it is clearly marked in the Scripture. It's, it's according to God's promise. Uh, pretty, pretty amazing stuff. And by the way, I've had some amazing feedback uh, from, from a number of you. And I, I just hope that your heart is, is, is inspired and is encouraged and, and is on fire for what's going on around us as, as I am. Um, so we're going to talk this morning about Gog and Magog. We're going to talk about the Battle of Armageddon. Now, my purpose this morning is not to scare anybody. So, uh, this, this prophecy scares some of you. I know when I was young, it kind of scared the daylights out of me a little bit. I'm going to tell you this. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've got nothing to be afraid of. In fact, Jesus is very clear uh, to us in, in um, Matthew 24 and Luke 21. makes it very clear to us that we've got to make sure that we're not afraid. In fact, he says, fear not. After the service this morning, uh, a couple came to me and just said, "You know what? I'm a little bit. We're a little bit nervous. And Pastor, can you pray with us?" And so we we together prayed to make sure that their hearts were right with God. And I said, "You've got nothing to be afraid of. Now, you, if Jesus should arrive today, tonight, you're, you'll be ready to see him." And by the way, I'm going to say this to you today: If you're not ready to see Jesus, if you're not ready to meet the Lord, then you need to talk to me right after the service and make sure. That you know, that you know, that you know, that you're ready to meet the Lord. Amen? Okay, so let's take a look at, at the prophecy uh, of Gog and Magog. So back 2,500 years ago, Ezekiel the prophet, who is in exile in the land of Iraq, uh, which was then called Babylon, he gets this word from God. And it's, it's, the, it's the famous Ezekiel 38-39 prophecy, which speaks about the battle of Armageddon. And by the way, can I just say this to you? Uh, the, the writer of Revelation 
actually speaks about the same battle, and also we read in Daniel uh, the unfolding of God's plan. So if you want it on your own, go check out the book of Revelation and go check out Daniel. I invite you to do that. And also check out Psalm 83. Very interesting. But here's, here's, what we, here's what we need to know. Okay, so just look at me for a moment. If you're looking at your Bible, look at me. Ezekiel chapter 36 and chapter 37 actually sets the stage for the war of Gog and Magog, or the Battle of Armageddon. And so here's, here's what is described in chapters 36 and 37. It describes how, first of all, ready for this? Israel must be reborn as a country in the last days. Now remember, not for 2,500 years has Israel been a sovereign state. So this, folks, is the major, uh, major fulfillment of prophecy in our era. Israel has become a nation in 1948. Before that, it was not a nation. And the second thing that Ezekiel 36 to 37 tells us is that the Jewish people must come back to the Holy Land from exile around the world. Now, if you were here last week, you know that, that I reported to you that in the mid-1800s, we're looking at maybe 0.2% of the full Jewish population actually living in Israel. The rest are scattered around the world. By 1949, we were looking at some 600,000 Jewish people living in the land. And by this year, by right now, we're looking at 60 to 70% of the Jewish people having come home come back to the land of Israel from around the world. This is absolutely astonishing because it's just a little over 100 years ago when the, the whole Jewish population is spread out literally throughout the world. I mean, we're looking at in, in Azerbaijan and, and we're looking at uh, Japan and, and North, South Korea. I don't know about North Korea, but literally in every corner of the world, there's Jewish people. But now they're all gathering home and gathering home quickly. This, folks, is a fulfillment of prophecy spoken by Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36 and 37. The third thing that needs to happen is that the Jewish people, it says that the Jewish people will rebuild the ruins and make the desert bloom again. Now, has anybody here been to Israel? You've been to Israel, you know what I'm talking about. And does anybody here like to come with me to Israel? If I pay your way? (laughs) For Christmas, that'll be your Christmas present. And the only way you'll know is if you come to church on Sunday. Um, so listen, listen to this. Listen. If you've been there, you'll know that the desert has actually been reclaimed by Israel. It, it, the, on, a, a, on a daily basis, we're talking about acres and acres of Israel's desert being reclaimed. And when it says that the, that the, the rose will bloom in the desert, it actually is. There are literally uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of trees being planted in a land that was, was useless, actually. There was, it was good for nothing. But folks, we're, we're seeing the scriptures unfold before us in our generation. Now, these things have all happened, and, that, and this suggests that we are now, are you ready for this? We are now getting closer to the fulfillment of the, of the next set of prophecies. And the next set of prophecies, ready for this? Armageddon, the battle of Gog and Magog. Israel must be reborn, check. People must come back from around the world to their homeland, check. The, the ancient ruins in the desert must bloom again, check. Now we're ready for Ezekiel chapter 38. Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 16. Let's take a look at that passage of Scripture. And God is speaking now through his prophet Ezekiel. He's speaking to Gog. 
And I'll tell you who Gog and Magog is in a minute. And here's what it says. And you will attack my people Israel, covering their land like a cloud. And at that time, in the distant future, did you notice that? In the distant future? And now Ezekiel's looking forward now 2,500 years. Pretty amazing. In the distant future, I will bring you again against my land as everyone watches. Now, can I just remind everybody something? Everybody here? Listen to this. Listen. As everyone watches. How does everybody in the world watch? In Ezekiel's time, you know there was no such thing as TV or satellite or CNN. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart now. You see how things have fallen into place now so that the fulfillment of God's prophecy, prophecy could take place. Everyone will watch. And look at this. And my holiness will be displayed by what happens to you, Gog. Then all the nations will know that I am the Lord. I know about you, man. That just sends chills up and down my spine. Now listen. Through the prophecy... This Gog, G-O-G, Gog, is described as a military leader. He's described as a political leader, uh, a leader of a coalition. He, he builds coalition, a coalition with other countries, and I'll mention those countries in a moment. In fact, he mentioned them briefly in that video clip. In Ezekiel 38, verse 10, he is described as a, as a, uh, as a tyrant, as an evil man with an evil plan. And that evil plan is to destroy Israel. What Gog doesn't know is that he is coming up against the living God. And he hasn't got a chance in you know what. Now listen. Ezekiel 39 verse 2 tells us that Gog will come from the remotest parts of the north and come against the mountains of Israel. The country that is furthest north, let's take a look at that, at that map. Um, the country that is furthest to the north in relation to Israel is in fact Russia. Let's take a look at this map here. Here, here is Israel right here. Everybody sees that? We're talking about a little sliver of a piece of land. It's a, like, the, like a toenail compared to the, a ripped off toenail, that is. Uh, it'll go straight north, and here, what do we have? We've got Russia. Now, I tell you, this little bit of Russia here, like that's not all of Russia. We're, we're, this is just a portion, a small portion. Russia is massive. This is the land called Magog. So when we talk about the land of Magog, we're talking about the land of Russia. And in a few moments, I'm going to show to you where it says in the scripture that Russia will join forces with Iran, with modern-day Iran. Russia, Iran against Israel. Now, one of the things that they've discovered in Israel is that, in fact, and this is just like caught off the press, this is just something recently discovered, and that is that Israel is absolutely rich in fossil fuel and also in other minerals. It's a very attractive land. It's a very attractive place. So Magog, in case you don't know, is Russia. And Gog is, in fact, the leader of Russia. Now, in this short time, I don't have time to go into the uh, historical background of that to, to explain to you how that happens. But I will, I will suggest to you that you do some study on your own. Go get some books on the subject. Go to the Internet. Google it, whatever. And, uh, and you will get a real education. But know this. Ezekiel describes this Russian dictator, Gog, who will form a military coalition with Persia. Persia uh, is modern-day Iran. It was 1935 that Persia called itself Iran. And then in Ezekiel 38, verse 5, we learn that the first ally that Russia will have is, in fact, Persia. Now, 
This is the first, but there will be others that will join in. And some of the other countries that will join in against Russia with the, with the great coalition, Russia and Iran, will be Sudan, Libya, Algeria, Turkey, and a group of other North African countries, the middle, some of the Middle Eastern countries, as well as Central, some Central Asian countries. They will join in together against Israel in these last days. Now, can I just tell you something that is really very interesting? At the time that Ezekiel gave this prophecy in chapters 38 and 39, there would be no logical reason or explanation for why these countries would link arms or join together to come against Israel. It didn't make sense. In fact, at the time that he wrote that prophecy, they would have all hated each other. And they, in fact, they would have all been protecting their borders against each other, especially against Persia. Uh, at the time that this was written, nobody really knew who Magog was. They had no idea who Russia is. And that's why it's, it's not called Russia. But there's nations that Ezekiel talks about joining forces against Israel. It just seemed like an impossibility until... Until now, what is the common denominator? And it's simple. It's the religion of Islam. This is the common denominator. This is the thing that makes these, makes these nations friends. That the majority of them would have as, as their religion, Islam. And Islam sees Israel as infidels. And some... Islamic people, not all of them, but, but many. The ones that you're hearing about on the news all the time, they believe that their scripture tells them that they need to destroy the infidels. And by the way, that's not just the Jewish people, it's also the Christians. That's why we're seeing this battle going on, people. Do you understand we're talking about a cosmic battle? Your brain can't get around it because you don't understand the history. Remember, history is God's redemptive plan being unfolded. So once you begin to understand that God is is in battle with the forces of darkness so that truth will prevail, so that life will prevail, then you begin to understand why these battles are going on on the earth today. Ezekiel tells us that they're going to join forces and they're going to try to destroy Israel. But Ezekiel 38 verse 16 specifically tells us that these events, will, these events will take place in the last days and that in the end times before the Messiah comes, these things must happen. So I'm telling you right now, boy, this is exciting stuff because you can Google, you go, you go onto Google and Google Iran, Pers- uh, Iran, Russia, and Israel. You just do that. Not right now, please. <laughs> Put your phones away, but do this afterwards. You Google them together, and then you watch what comes up. And you will see right before your eyes the unfolding of Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, 39. It's absolutely staggering. In fact, feed those words into YouTube. Iran, Iraq, and Israel. Uh, Pardon me, Iran, Russia, and Israel. And you, again, will see the unfolding of Ezekiel 38. In fact, you will probably see some video clip that's called Ezekiel 38. Why? Because that's what it says. It's right there. Now, I'm not telling you this stuff to scare anybody. I'm telling you this stuff so that you understand how very close we are to the end. Remember, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for not recognizing or seeing the signs unfold before them. 
So you and I need to, we, we haven't got the luxury of saying, oh, well, we'll let the pastor look at the prophecies. It's beyond me. No, God wants all of us to be students of his prophetic word so that we can see what he wants to do. Now, once Israel has been established or reestablished as a state, and once the Jewish people are regathered to the land, and the Lord is drawing his Jewish people back into relationship with him, uh, you need to know this, that the Lord is preparing to return. Now, some would say, well, when is that going to happen? Well, I'm going to tell you this. Israel just celebrated their, I think, their 64th anniversary as a nation. A generation, uh, many Bible scholars believe that a generation is between 70 and 80 years. So, folks, we're looking at, at any time now. Some would say that maybe it's 40 years. So we're looking at literally, we're looking at the last days in preparation for the return of Messiah. In a few moments, I'm going to show you a video, video clip about... Uh, about Iran and the, and the question that the Israelis have right now about whether or not Israel should attack Iran. How many have been hearing that or watching that in the news? We've been hearing about it for the last few years, but it's really, really heated up in the last little while. Have you noticed that? In fact, it's an issue in this current campaign, the presidential campaign. And you'll hear Romney talk about it. You'll hear President Obama talk about it. Now, listen, here's the interesting thing, is that neither of these men fully understands or appreciates the prophetic word, as is expressed to us in Ezekiel 38. And if they just give me a call, I could tell them. I doubt that will happen. Uh, listen to me. It's, Jesus' return now is imminent. The, the things are in place now. All we need now is to see the war break out. And so, people, you need to watch the news. I'd be watching CNN. I'd have it on all the time. And I'm not getting paid by CNN to tell you that either, by the way. Watch any news program you want. You will see prophecy unfold right before you. Prophecy given 3,500 years ago. Now, can I just remind everybody of this? Because some people would say, well, you know, Israel looks really, really, um, uh, looks like it's in good shape. They've got no problems. They're prosperous right now. Um, everything seems to be secure. Well, in Ezekiel 38, verse 8, it actually says that Israel will be secure. In verse 12, it says there'll be a degree of, of prosperity. But then, and only then, will the Russian-Iranian coalition be set in motion to rob, to kill, and destroy Israel and the Jewish people. So we're seeing right now in Israel a measure of security, a measure of prosperity. Israel is now ready for the return of the Messiah. Uh, unbelievable. In, in my generation, I never thought I would see it. Now, here's the thing. God says in this passage of Scripture that he wants to reveal his holiness... He wants to reveal his mighty arm. He wants to reveal his power. It says that, and my holiness will be displayed by what happens to you, Gog, that is Russia. Has anybody, did everybody hear about uh, President Putin? What's his name again? Vladimir Putin, reelected. This guy is, uh, he is a slippery, slippery, slippery dude. He's, he really fits the bill, if you know what I'm saying. I'm not saying he's the one, but I'm saying he, he could do it as well as anybody. And then God says, and then all the nations will know that I am the Lord. 
The Bible indicates that the Jews will be sinful when they return to their land. Uh, they, remember, have not yet been touched by the Spirit of God in a, in a meaningful way. But here's the thing. When you read on now, and we're talk about this next week in, in Ezekiel chapter 39. But listen to this, listen. Ezekiel 39, verse 29, and Joel chapter 2, verses 28 32. This is what it tells us. It says that after the Jews have been brought back to their land, after they return to Israel, look at this. Then the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon the Jewish people in an increasingly significant way. Israel is going to experience what we would call a revival in our terms. They will experience the power of God poured out upon them. And listen to this. A, number of growing, uh, a growing number of Jewish people will repent and return to a personal relationship with their Lord. They do not talk in those terms, but that's precisely what's going to happen. They will actually have a living, vibrant relationship with Almighty God. And then Jesus says in Matthew 24 and Luke 21 that the time that he comes, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, revolutions and lawlessness in these last days. Now listen, we're, we're like this close. We're this close. The stage is set for Armageddon. The stage is set for Christ's return. This battle must take place, and then he returns. And I'm going to tell you this this morning. That's why you must study, must study prophecy. You must pay attention to this because this is God's way of preparing you and making you ready. He's giving you a chance to get your life right with God. And this morning, I want to say this to you. If your life is not right with God, if you're not where you need to be spiritually, God doesn't want you to be afraid. In fact, Jesus clearly says that to us when, when he was asked, what are the signs of your coming? Jesus tells all these scary things. But then he says, but don't be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. Jesus, God is not a, a fear monger. But he tells us the truth. He tells us plainly what's to happen so that we will not be afraid. Remember, you're his children. If you put your faith in him, you belong to him and he loves you. By the way, one of the things that, that Jesus tells us about in the last days is that there will be uh, famines and earthquakes did anybody hear what happened this morning on the West Coast? Was anybody thinking what I'm thinking? Major earthquake. Not one, but three I was told this morning. And some have said that there's been more earthquakes in, uh, on the Pacific uh, coast of Canada than there's been in almost a lifetime in this past year. We're seeing things happen, folks, that we've not seen before, a fulfillment of Scripture. This is not to scare anybody. But it's to t tell you to be ready. Get ready. The Lord is coming soon. Now, I'd like to show you a video clip, and then I'm going to close. But it's uh, hot off the press, folks. This is just days old. And this is absolutely, absolutely an unfolding of Ezekiel 38 and 39. Take a look at this. Not see the international determination to stop its nuclear program. 
Yet I now use words to a direct criticism of the Obama administration's policy. Israeli media is even speaking of a disconnect between the U.S. and Israel on the nuclear issue. For the Netanyahu government wants more forceful action, Washington says sanctions should be given more time to work. In a recent TV interview with Israel's Channel 2, the U.S. ambassador to Israel played down the tensions. There is definitely a narrative of the media right now in favor of people uh, about the tensions between the United States and Israel on both I understand why people like to write that story. The Netanyahu government is facing criticism at home, and prominent Israelis warning the Prime Minister not to attack Iran if the U.S. is not on board. At the same time, preparations continue in Israel. A recent civil defense exercise simulated fueling the aftermath of a missile strike in Jerusalem. The soldier in charge says Israel is more prepared than ever for possible reprisal attacks. The level of of training How much longer will Israel stand by? Iran right now is preparing for Israel to attack them. Did you know that? It's in the news. It's in the news every day. Russia is, as everybody knows here, I think, I hope, Russia is Iran's ally. And right now the Americans are appealing to the Russians to please, please speak to the Iranians to make sure that they're not developing nuclear weapons. Israel is saying, we do not trust Israel, we do not trust Iran, we do not trust Russia. Now, I want to say this to you in closing. Ezekiel 38 verse 16 specifically tells us that these events take place in the last days. That it is the it is in the end times before Messiah comes to set up his kingdom. Are you ready? Are you ready to see Jesus? If you're not, I want to encourage you, before you leave this place today, come and talk to me. I would be glad to make sure, to help you make sure you're ready to see the Lord. In Titus 2, uh, 11 to 13, I'm going to close with this verse. Because some people wonder, you know, do we really need to, to be concentrating on this stuff? I'm going to tell you, the, the mark of the early Christian is that they were looking for Christ's return. It was part of their, their, their daily discussion. In fact, it was part of their greeting, Maranatha. The Lord is coming soon. The Lord's returning. That's, that's who they were. That was their identity. They were the people looking for Christ's return. So listen to this, and then I'll close. Titus 2, 11-13, Paul's talking to his young protege, Titus, and he says this, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that 
denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Look at this in verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's who we are. We're a people who are not caught up with the temporal things of this world. We're a people who are looking to that which is eternal. Folks, do you understand that the early church, the early believers, understood that this world was not their home? They understood that they were just passing through. And I want to ask you the question this morning. Are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you ready to see him? I know I am, and I'm excited about Christ's return. I'm not afraid. I'm not fearful. I've just got such an excitement about this. And as your shepherd... My, my prayer, my desire is that every single one of you will be as excited and as delighted and anticipating Christ's return as much as I am. You have nothing to be afraid of if you put your faith in Jesus. Would you stand with me, please? God, we're just so thankful and so excited that you do not keep us in the dark, but you reveal the future to us. And as it unfolds, God, it doesn't come as a surprise to us. It comes as your revealed purpose, your revealed plan. And so this morning, O oh God, if there are any here who are not ready to meet Christ, there are any here today whose lives are not right with Christ, we pray right now, Father, that there would be people here today that would say, I want to I make sure, I want to get my life right with God. I want to make sure that I'm... I'm ready to see the Lord. If there are any here today who are caught up in the things that are temporal, the things that will pass away, if there are any here today who have forgotten about eternity, God, may this be the day when we get our priorities straightened out, when we stop being caught up with the things of this world and start remembering that we have been created for for eternal life. And God, if there are any here today who are in a backslidden state or not where they need to be. God, you're giving that person an opportunity to make things right today, to get their lives cleaned up, to make, to get back on track. And so this morning we commit ourselves to you asking God that you be honored and glorified in our lives. And we say, even so, come Lord Jesus, come. We're waiting for your return. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now tell that person beside you, I can hardly wait for Jesus to return. Go ahead, tell them that.